Amen. Amen. Well, you may have a seat. I want to introduce officially uh, Kerry Gibson with uh, Christian Motorcycle Association. And I want him, they're going to show a video. And I just want him the opportunity, before you saw that video, to really explain what that's all about and kind of what your mission is. Amen. At um, our colors one year, I held a mic for about 20 minutes, and it was dead because I was wearing a headset. Um, the Christian Motorcycle Association, we do one thing. Let me, let me say this first. CMA started with one guy, a pastor in a small church who was losing his son, a connection with his son. So he bought two motorcycles, and he and his son started traveling some together in order to reconcile that relationship. Now, CMA today is in 40 countries around the world. There are, as, as some of these numbers, I don't know who's up, gonna be on the film. I, the first time I've seen it too. Um, but I can tell you that there is just shy, like two, uh, and they're, we're there now, but when these numbers were compiled back in May, we, there were almost well, there was 13,998 pastors, evangelists, and teachers, Christian aid workers, Christian teachers, with transportation that the Christian Motorcycle Association has provided. There's, there's close to 20 million people that have accepted Christ through our, just through our portion of funding the Jesus film. It, and we also, we don't, these numbers are hard to get. You'll get some stuff up there. But the, we also support Open Doors, which is the, they support persecuted Christians around the world. As you can imagine, it's pretty hard to get data and stats and all that when, when uh, just being a Christian can get you killed. So this is a video of, for our Run for the Sun. It's a, we do it one time a year. None of the money, zero. None of the money is used for the day-to-day -day operating cost of CMA or the people we give it to. It all goes to evangelism. And so, without further ado, let's watch the video. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be assured of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go into all the world. How is that possible? No person, no church, no organization can do that alone. And yet Jesus was very clear in this command. Only by working together, with each of us doing our part and contributing as we are able, will we complete the task. In CMA, we understand that we have to do our part. We're not a fundraising organization. Run for the Sun is the only official fundraising effort we are involved in, and we give away more than we keep. None of the money raised is used to fund the day-to-day -day operating expenses of CMA or any other organization. CMA keeps 40% which we use to reach out to bikers and others throughout the United States and around the world. We go places where others don't or won't go. We reach out in service and look for opportunities to let our light shine. 
we strive to demonstrate the unconditional love of Christ. Every year, CMA members represent Christ to more than two million people, exposing more than 600,000 to the gospel message, with approximately 14,000 of those making the life-changing decision to accept Jesus as their personal Savior. 20% of the money raised is used to support the work of the Jesus Film Project. The Jesus Film has been translated into more than 1,600 languages and shown in 225 countries. Historically, for every dollar CMA invests in the Jesus Film, approximately 10 people see the film somewhere in the world, and at least one accepts Christ. Using these estimates, the support provided through Run for the Sun has allowed approximately 137 million people to view the film, with some 14 million of those making decisions for Christ. These decisions are a direct result of CMA's Run for the Sun. 20% of the total raised is used to provide transportation. Working through organizations such as Missionary Ventures International, CMA has placed more than 6,800 bicycles, 6,500 motorcycles, boats, horses, buggies, snowmobiles, and at least one camel to pastors working in more than 107 countries. Right now, there are more than 13,400 pastors, evangelists, teachers, and Christian leaders doing their part to fulfill the Great Commission as a direct result of CMA's Run for the Sun. 20% goes to Open Doors, supporting their effort to promote the gospel in countries where being a Christian can get you locked up or killed. One of the greatest challenges to Christians living under tyranny and loss of religious freedom is isolation from God's Word and from the body of Christ. Through our involvement with Open Doors, CMA supports and strengthens suffering believers by providing Bibles and gospel development resources, by supporting the advancement of women and children, and through Christian community restoration efforts. CMA's Run for the Sun is a place where you can invest and know that you'll be participating in something that will result in someone's life being changed. On the first Saturday in May, CMA members across the United States will participate in the Run for the Sun. Through Run for the Sun, you can play a part, and together we can fulfill the Great Commission. You can touch someone somewhere in the world for Christ, but the choice is yours. Will you support Run for the Sun? Well, am I still on? Can you hear me? Um, you would think we do have more than one of those. That's why I said I don't know which one, who it is. It was me. Um, and you would think that since I did it, I would have got the numbers right. But uh, anyway, those numbers are correct. 14 million people through um, the Jesus film. As, as I was, as we were down there worshiping, oh, let me do something first. I met a guy from this church in DeQueen today at a gas station. Are you in here? Okay. I didn't figure you'd be in this one. Um, I was sitting there thinking, thinking about evangelism, and I thought, what is it, what was it that Jesus did that drew people to him? I mean, they, they were drawn to him. He was... Well, he was the Messiah. He claimed to be the Messiah, and that got attention. But he loved people. He, he, did the, he struck up conversations. He proclaimed the gospel of, well, the kingdom of God. 
And other than that, well, the big one was he claimed to be God. But other than all of everything he did, is what, what I'm trying to say is everything he did, we can do except claim to be God. Everything else he did. He loved people is what it, it breaks, summarizes at. Um, I want to bear with me one second. I've got to turn this thing on. Should have had it on. Okay. I want to read you a scripture. Real short. This is in Romans 3, and it's verse 22 down to 20, through 24. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Pray with me, please. Father, we come now and we ask you, God, to speak to us. We give you the freedom, Lord, to take control and to run this service. Father, right now, I ask you to remove me from this picture. I pray, God, that I won't be speaking. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and dwell with us and to speak to us. Father, may the words I speak be pleasing to you and may the ears be tuned to receive only that which comes from you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to do something. I haven't, this is going to be kind of hard for me, okay? So you'll see eventually why. Have you ever, don't raise your hands, but have you ever had your life just crushed? Ever been heartbroken, disappointed, felt abandoned, hopeless, ever felt like maybe life just wasn't worth living? I want to talk about two people tonight. One is Job for a few minutes. Now, we can all say yes to something in there. We've all been disappointed. But in the Bible, there's probably no one who has any more right to be depressed than Job. Now, I'm going to read some scriptures, and I didn't give them to them because I, to condense this, I kind of use this scripture, and then I'll jump down to here, if that makes sense to you. So if I miss, if I, if you Bible scholars decide that I missed a few verses, that was on purpose. All right, in, in Job chapter 1, there once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. Well, Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Now, think about that. The accuser, Satan, when you feel those feelings inside of you that I don't want to live anymore, or how did this happen to me, or why did this happen to me, understand that that's not God. Amen. That's the accuser. 
He's patrolling the earth looking to destroy your life and my life. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. I hope to, the, to God Almighty that God never says to Satan, have you considered my servant Carrie? Satan replied to the Lord, yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him, but take away everything he has and he will curse you to your face. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Now, I'm gonna, I might upset some of you with what I'm about to say, but if you'll actually go home and think about this, you'll understand that I'm right. God and Satan made a bet. God said, I'll bet you that you, well, Satan started. I'll bet you that I can destroy him if you'll just take away everything he's got. And God said, no, I'll take that bet. I believe in Job. Every opportunity God proclaims in word and in deed that he believes in you. In the rest of the chapter of Job, Job loses everything. He loses his uh, cattle. His, he was a rich man. He lost everything. He lost his health. In chapter 2, he goes to his, he loses his health. Chapter 3, his friends show up. They're not a lot of help. Uh, but they did sit with him for a very long time. In verse 26, Job said this, I have no peace, no quietness, I have no rest, only trouble comes. Ever felt that way? Job 10, I'm disgusted with my life. Why didn't you let me die at birth? I have only a few days left, so leave. he's talking to God. So leave me alone that I may have a moment of comfort. Chapter 32 through 37, Job's friend Elihu speaks. He's the youngest guy there. He's been quiet. He's been respectful. He's listened to what Job's friends have said, and this is what he says. Only God can convince him. That's it right there. All of the friends, all of the words, all of the stuff, only God can actually speak into your life and bring that peace. Now in chapters 38 through 39, God himself speaks. Then Job replied, to, then the Lord said to Job, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? Are you God's critic? But do you have the answers? Then Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. Mm -hmm. I have nothing more to say. I know, Job said this, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. 
I was talking about things I knew nothing about. I had only heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. I said all of that, and you, you, can, go, you can preach many, many messages out of Job, one right after the other. I just wanted to give you a summary of that to say this. Job's life fell apart. Job reached the place where he said, why did you even let me be born? Why didn't you just let me die? It would be as if I had never existed. Job finally ended up where he should have started in the beginning. And that is at the feet of Jesus. Next person I want to talk to you is talk to you about is me um, in 2013 I came down with West Nile virus it's a very rare disease it was uh, it progressed from West Nile up my spine into my brain and uh, it took some effort for the doctors to get me kind of halfway normal. Um, I had a headache constantly for 18 months. I didn't know any peace. Debbie, my wife is here by the way. Debbie uh, can tell you that I had a pretty hard time. It's very hard to be nice. It's very hard to preach. It's very hard to think when your head is pounding constantly, never stops. 18 months, I knew no peace. I finally found a neurologist that was willing to go through whatever it took, and I don't have headaches. But the thing is, until that happened, I'd never had a headache. Somebody told me their head hurt. I couldn't understand what that was. My first thought was, well, it's all in your head. But it, it is, but it's painful. Anybody in here suffer from headaches? Okay, we're going to pray for you. In 2017, I spoke at a, well, I'll tell you the truth. About two months before um, Colors, our rally in middle of October, I started getting little pains in my chest. So I thought, well, I better get healthy. So I bought a bicycle, and I would ride the bicycle around Iron Mountain. And my chest would go boom, 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 boom. And then it would feel like it broke loose. And I thought, well, I'm, but I was determined to stay through colors. So I spoke whatever night it was. And Sunday morning, we went to putting up the chairs, and my chest pretty much exploded. I uh, had to go sit down. I called Debbie, said, I'm coming home. Uh, we have a lot she worked for heart doctors forever so she called one of the heart doctors he sent me straight to the hospital four days later I had three bypasses and an art and a um, valve replacement in my heart I don't know how to explain it but something changed inside of me Spiritually and in my insides, not, my, not the fact that they put a valve in. I went into depression, severe depression. 
And you're the first group of people I've told that to. And I didn't know how to deal with it. I'd never been depressed a day in my life. I'd had hard times. I'd had troubles. I'd been broke. I'd been without a job. All those things. But it never depressed me. But something happened and something snapped. And I fell into a depression. You don't have to raise your hand, but do any of you suffer from depression? See, I heard soldiers talk about PTSD and I believed them, but I didn't understand it. Depression is a very real thing. To be honest with you, I'm still dealing with it. I'm better, but I'm still dealing with it. Things happen. I disappointed in this time. I disappointed myself. I disappointed my friends and my family. But the hardest part to accept is I disappointed God. I've told Debbie this, and I'm telling you this is the truth. There have been times when I honestly wished I had died on that operating table. Because at that time, I was at peace with God and at peace with man. Don't misread anything into this. I had a very, 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 very hard time. I tried to fake it. I tried not to let people know what was happening inside of me. I'm a man, you know. I tried to carry on like everything was okay, but Inside, I was falling apart. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't pray. I stopped preaching. Because I wasn't where I needed to be with God inside of me. I wasn't where I needed to be. I got tired of living that life, that that feeling and faking that feeling, letting everybody think, I'm okay, I just don't want to preach. I couldn't, because I couldn't get my head right. And finally, I realized what I should have done in the beginning was the same thing that Job should have done in the beginning. I should have fallen at the feet of Jesus. And I did that. And here's what I've discovered God, well, I'll just use a scripture. Some of you will know exactly where this is. Some of you might not. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. So here's what I figured out, and I knew it all along. God wasn't condemning me. I was condemning me. God was right there. All I had to do was just turn around. So what I'm telling you tonight is this. This is not how I normally do things. But what I'm telling you tonight is this. If you are having problems, if you're suffering from depression, if your heart is broken, if, 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 if you have something, if you ever have wished you were dead, there is a God in heaven who loves you and he's following you around everywhere you go. He's following you. He's waiting on you to just stop. 
and turn around and say, God, I'm not going that way anymore. I'm going your way. You can quit following me because I'm going to follow you. That is the answer to every problem we have. Every problem. Because what God gives us is the assurance that he loves us, but he brings peace. He brings peace when peace seems impossible. He brings joy when you have no joy. I don't mean you're going to jump up and laugh. The joy of knowing that the God of all creation loves me, cares about me, accepts me, and forgives me. Jesus himself paid for my sin and for your sin. Deuteronomy 31.6 says this. Don't be afraid or terrified for the Lord goes with you. Remember this. Learn this. Put this in your head. This is an easy one to remember. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Deuteronomy 31.6. In Hebrews 13.5, same thing. God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So if you feel like the world is against you, God is with you. Now I wish I could say that when I, when I turned back to God and said, you got to help me, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't feel this way. I can't live this way. I can't be this person anymore. I wish I could say that when that happened, that all of a sudden my life was just like it was once before and it was just everything was just wonderful and life was beautiful and all the flowers smell good and all of that but it didn't happen that way it's a journey it's a journey from wherever you are and whatever's going on in your life it's a journey to full peace with God. And the path there is by the way of Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except by me. I said a while ago that, that I had uh, never really understood headaches or depression. I've learned something, though. I've learned that you have to be careful how you treat people because they may be going through something that you don't see you could meet somebody at a gas station and they could you could speak to them and they turn away from you and don't speak back and you think what a jerk he may have had a headache for the last 15 months he may be depressed because he just lost his family or lost his wife, or maybe it's just because he has memories that bring him down. Those are not opportunities to be offended. Those are opportunities to bring and speak peace to this person. We saw in a video earlier, some of you wasn't in here, there's a girl that has uh, cystic fibrosis, and she goes, she's praying for people everywhere. You and I can do that same thing. And God expects us to. 
He, our job, once we accept him, is to be his witness. The love of God is unconditional love. I don't have it. I'm trying. I'm trying to let my love for people be unconditional. But as hard as I try, I've got conditions. I'll love you as long as you're lovable. I'll love you as long as you don't mistreat me or my family. I'll love you if you love me. I'll love you if you let me ride your motorcycle. I'll love you even more if you give me your motorcycle. No, no, no hints there. My point is this, and Jesus talks about it in the Bible, but what value is it? How are you going to impress God by loving people who are lovable? How are you going to impress God by loving, forgive me, fellow churchgoers who you know are saved? You should love, every, you should love each other. But there's a whole world out there. There's a whole world of Job's. There's a whole world of carries, people who are going through something and you and I need to take a moment and when it looks the worst, we need to be bold enough to say, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? They're going to say no. And guess what? I'm going to pray for them anyway. Just not as loud. If you're struggling, if you're having troubles, if you're depressed, if you don't feel like living, if you're broke, if you don't know how you're going to make your next house payment and you're worried, there is a place you can go, and that's Jesus. But let me tell you this, because I'm speaking from what happened to me. I had to have help. I mean, I turned to God. That was where my real help was. But I had to have help. I had to go talk to a doctor, and he helped me. When I had headaches, I had to go talk to a doctor, and he helped me. I believe that both of these guys were directed, or I was directed to them so that God could use them to help me. I want to say heal me, but I'm not all the way there yet. Sometime when you think about it, pray for me. I still struggle. Try to find somebody I love you. Try to find somebody that will love you unconditionally. And I can tell you, I can tell you that there were moments. But Debbie has loved me unconditionally, and I thank you for that. I know I'm talking about my wife, but she demonstrated to me the unconditional love that God has for you. And there's a good possibility 
that you're going to be on one side or the other of this, either now or at some point in your life, you're either going to be the person needing that unconditional love, or you may be the person that needs to give that unconditional love. You don't have to be married to someone to love them unconditionally. You don't have to be married to someone to care about them and to try to help them go through things. You don't have to be like Job's friends and give him a whole bunch of criticism about his life. You're not going to get anywhere that way. It does, when you have the opportunity, when you see somebody that's in need, don't, if you see a homeless person, don't go up to them and say, you know what, all of your problems will be over if you'll just get a job, get a haircut, shave, get a job. No, it won't be over. The only way their problems are going to be over is just like my problems and your problems. Only way the problems are going to be solved is through Jesus Christ. Go to that person and pray with them and offer them Jesus. Because here's the bottom line of all of this. There's only one place you can go. And that is to the feet of Jesus. So I'm going to ask you a question that I don't want you to answer. Are you where you need to be with God? Are you living a life that's pleasing to God? Are you at peace with God? Are you at peace with man? There's something to that. But the most important is be at peace with God. Are you at the place where you have unconditional love to offer to unlovable people? And there's a lot of them. I've been one of them. I try not to be. And Debbie's borne the brunt of most of this. If you're not where you need to be, come to the feet of Jesus. I'm going to ask you a real big question. Take a moment and examine your own heart. Look inside of yourself. Do you have, and only you and God know the answer to this, and I'm not asking you to tell me, do you have a real relationship with Jesus Christ? I thought I was saved for a real long time because I said some words and got baptized. It, I was 30, that was when I was like nine. I was 29 years old when I realized I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I didn't really know him. I made a commitment. I'm trying to live it. But are you, do you know Jesus? Are you truly saved? You have to believe. That's the root of it. We'll talk about that in another service. You have to believe that Jesus is who he said he was. And you have to try and live a Christ-like life. Because he said, come follow me. In John chapter 6, he's, Jesus is talking, and I'm going to really shorten this. Jesus says to some people, the only work God wants from you is to believe in the one he sent. 
The only thing God wants from us is to believe in the one he sent, Jesus. Then later in that same chapter, Jesus said this. If you believe in me, do the things I do. Now you could say, okay, he's talking about heal the sick, raise the dead, all of that. That's possible. God has the ability to, let us, to use us to do anything. But let me tell you a secret. You better start living like Jesus lived if you want to do what Jesus did. Jesus was a living example of how we should live our lives. I can't get past that. I'm not going to try and raise the dead. Unless somebody drops dead in front of me, I'm going to try. I will tell you this, and then I'm going to wrap it up. Debbie and I were standing in a prayer line at uh, one of the events at, in Hatfield, National or Colors. And we like, I like to stay off to the end. And this couple walked up and uh, walked up to us, and I said, uh, anything special we can pray for you about? He said, yes, I'm deaf in this ear. Remember, what, remember this? I'm deaf in this ear, and I'm losing my hearing in this ear. I want you to pray that I won't lose my hearing. Okay, we'll pray that and more. So we, I laid my hands on his head. I didn't do like in the video, stick my fingers in there. You had to be here to understand that. Uh, but I put my hands on his head, prayed that God would not only stop the hearing loss, but reverse it. And we prayed that God would heal his hearing. Now, I didn't pray specifically for this ear, that God would heal his hearing. So we were still in line. It was probably 15, 10 minutes later, and here he comes. Okay, I lived in the biker world a long time. When I see somebody coming at me pretty fast, I start getting prepared for what could happen. I kind of forget, no, I'm in a church, that probably won't happen here. But he walks up and he says, I can hear. Well, great, you could hear when you got here. Oh, good, you know, that's kind of my reaction. I didn't say those things, but that's kind of what I thought. He said, no, you don't get it. I can hear out of my deaf ear. We prayed for him. I did not pray that God would restore his healing. I mean, his hearing. God does what God wants to do, and he uses us to do it. So examine your heart. You can't do any of that. None of that means anything to you. You can't offer people unconditional love. You can't solve anybody's problem, really, unless you have that relationship with Jesus Christ. It all starts there. So I'm just going to ask you, do you know Jesus? Do you really know Jesus? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. You know, uh, it doesn't take a lot. If your relationship with Jesus is not where it needs to be, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. If you don't know Jesus, if you know who he is, but you don't know him, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. If you want a closer relationship with Jesus, 
If you want to fall at his feet and beg for his mercy, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I'm not who you want me to be. I have fallen short. I've failed you in many ways. But God, I don't want to live for me anymore. I want to live for you. Save me, Jesus. Save me. I believe that you died for me, that you rose again. I believe, God, I believe, Jesus, that it's through you we can be saved. Right now, right here, at this moment, I commit my life to you. Help me, Jesus. Help me to live what I just said. In Jesus' name, amen. We got some prayer folks will come up. I'm getting old. If you prayed one of those, I don't know, you got a prayer team or whatever. Um, if you prayed that prayer with me, I invite you, I ask you, I urge you, because Jesus was pretty clear in this. He said, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before the Father. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. So whatever it was you just prayed, please come up and pray with me. <laughs> amen, amen. You know, well, uh, kind of what we go to is just meet over at that cross. Carrie will be there. Clint will be there. Uh, somebody will pray with you. Got some material for you. Just kind of make it official. And, and it's just good to come to the cross. You're walking away from your past, and you're starting a brand new life with Jesus. Amen. Well, let's stand to our feet. You know, as we're getting ready to close, our altar team will be here if you want prayer for anything. But let's give the Lord a big hand through Carrie and how he used him today. And just that message today. We give you glory, Lord. Thank you. Stretch out your hand toward Carrie. Father, we declare healing over him. Steve, go lay hands on him. Lord, we are in agreement. We're going to pray for healing, restoration. Those headaches will be totally gone. Restoration is hard. His emotions, anxiety, depression, discouragement. You will go in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just want to thank you. We can all come into agreement and be a part of your answered prayer. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, we're going to uh, have prayer for anybody who needs it. But a reminder, Sunday night at 6 o'clock, we have corporate prayer. We come together. Man, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer. I'm telling you, those prayer nights are powerful, the presence of God. So come out Sunday night. It's usually from 6 to 7. We try to keep it around an hour, hour and 15, but it'll be Sunday night. Otherwise, uh, we'll finish with a closing song. Stick around long enough just to sing through the song one time. Give our altar team time to get up here. And if you want prayer for anything, and especially if you said that prayer in a minute, when these altar teams come walking up here, I want you to walk toward that cross and just say thank you, Jesus. Amen.